The Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Fresno Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree, people sitting on porches thinking how things used to be, dark night. It's a dark night Dark night It's a dark night What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom, martial arts analyst whose work you can find at MMAJunkie.com. You can find me as well five days a week on MMA Junkie Radio. But this is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, the show where we break down the thing called MMA. And today, tonight, hopefully it's today when you're listening to it. It's hitting the streets at the wee hours of Friday morning. Sadly, I know we will be breaking down USC Fresno from bottom to top, as we usually do. A couple notes off the top before we get to that, as there usually is. Um, But, as I usually promise, I'm going to try to make it faster. Uh, because this is being recorded in the wee hours of the morning. So first, off the top, before I say any more, let me first just apologize for uh, apologizing, but just in advance, I should say, because I am delirious. I'm only, uh, more delirious than normal. Uh-huh. See what I did there? I told the truth. Um, yeah, yeah, a couple hours uh, in probably the last two days. Just, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's hard enough. Again, I'm not going to you know, play play. Uh, the violin and wax the story. Believe me, there's no, no one cares, nor should they. It, 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 it's what it is, baby. It's what it is. It's the grind. And that grind that I speak of, yes, the 11 fight cards in 11 weeks that we are going through. But there is light around the corner. I mean, I I, I don't know how much light because I honestly don't know what fucking week we're on, eight or nine, but I do know there is a week off in this 11 weeks. And sure, it's Christmas. And sure, old Dan Tom might be behind on his... Oh, Christmas shopping by the time he peeks his head up from the rubble that is the UFC breakdowns and notes and and, and fisticuffs and all the other stuff surrounding my, my desk right now. But there is a week off, and before that week off, next week there is a, 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 a not a shortened fight card, but for Dan Tom, the way I think it is, because, you know, a four, you know, a, a four card main card like next week as opposed to this week's UFC Fresno 6 fight, oh, maybe the difference of 14 to 1,700 words. Yeah, so... Edited. Uh, so, yeah, it, that that's how I think. So there's light around that corner. And even right behind us, we're coming off an amazing card. How can you not be stoked about UFC 218? Uh, as much as even people like me want to be a fucking curmudgeon and complain about the oversaturation, you can't complain about 218. That was an amazing card. Ninganu and... Uh, <laughs> A story that I do want to go into, but I'm afraid to go into like any story, even if it's like something relevant, because like I just especially the state I'm in, plus normal Dan Tom tangent level. Yeah, who knows where the fuck we'll end up on this show? So I'm gonna reel it in. But there, I think I tweeted about it anyways. But there was a really funny thing involving the, the photo of Ninganu and Brian showing it and, and the reaction um, <laughs> that it drew from a couple. <laughs> so, that was there. It was great, but Ninganu is an instant star. That is for damn sure. My goodness, wow! It probably sounded worse that I didn't elaborate on the story. If I actually elaborate on the story, it probably would sound not as bad. But it's not even worth it because let's just talk about the important thing. That's a fucking that's a fucking star. Not sending, uh, you know, stars and sending Overeem to orbit. Uh, shout out to Fury for that 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 hilarious gif he was uh, sending out there. But. Um, but you know, Dan Toms usually tries to try to tr- tr- trump the respect flag, but I, I couldn't help myself here. That was that was that was glorious. That was a glorious knockout. And I even even Dan Tom dipped his hand in. And I'm, uh, and, uh, I can neither confirm nor deny where the source of the GIF was, but let's just say Dan Tom did post a GIF though in reference to the breakdown of the Sonny Liston and Floyd Patterson reference uh, of the dynamic heading into the fight. You know, with the narrative, but. The technique action was ended up being similar too. It was the right hand, left shovel hook, shovel uppercut. However you, what term you want to use out there, both are appropriate, both are fine. 
But uh, yeah, um, it's probably not too far down the timeline, even if you're listening now, to be honest, a week later. At Dan Tom MMA, if you want to go find that. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I hope I'm not getting sick like everybody else is. But um, Dan Tom, at Dan Tom MMA, if you want to go find that on Twitter. But uh, it was it was spooky. It was fucking spooky. I mean, no no other way to describe it. It's been described at nauseum. You don't need to listen to this podcast for it, so we'll move on. We just went uh, essentially 10-3 in picks, 2-0 in parlay pieces, 1-0 in straight plays, and 1-1 in props. Of course, Max Holloway, amazing performance, um, a star, and again, for for fear of risk of tangenting and and, and 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 talking about something that you know has already been talked about nauseum from so many other many a podcasts and many MMA sources that y'all, me, everybody is being inundated with nowadays. But since the Protect Your Neck podcast, we never talk about current events on purpose because I really could care less, and I'm contrarian, old Dan Tom, right? Which is another reason why I never say the name Conor McGregor, or, you know, usually, or unless it's relevant or this or that. It's just because it's just talked about so much as someone who actually has to work in the space and seeing the playing the both sides, seeing the both sides of you know that uh, you have to cover these things as they come across. But then it gets to a certain point where it's like we're not even covering fights. When's the last piece of news that was an MMA fight? And yada yada, but this is kind of relevant to UFC 218, so I'm just going to touch on this, and then we're going to jump right to Fresno, so bear with me. Uh, essentially, just, just kind of clarifying on, on a news that dropped today, slash tonight, and and then also just tying in with a, a post uh, a post tweet, slash tweet that I did, um, post 218, all kind of tying together here. Of course, you know, Dan Tom, my message is essentially... Just there's plenty of stars to get behind now. Let's get behind the people who are actually fighting, especially since they are exciting fighters with record winning streaks and or just crazy accomplishments like uh, Max Holloway, Tony Ferguson, Robert Whitaker. Coincidentally, all three divisions that are affected, connected in some way to um, Conor McGregor mainly and GSP, the at least at current representations of the quote-unquote money era that we all talk about, complain, and or cheer, depending on your perspective. Um, yeah, I think we're on the same page there. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, just just really quick here. But yeah, um, and essentially, yes, I know if you say anything bad about Connor, you have a legion of people like coming at you. I guess I'm late to this party because I'm not very inflammatory. Maybe I don't think I am. Maybe I am, and I don't realize it, but but I, at least I haven't been toward Connor because again I'm a fan. I'm a fan of this guy's fight style as a fighter. But in the last year, not going to get into it in the timeline. We all know it. Sadly, it's just it's kind of hard for me to root for the guy, and that's essentially what I don't get. And he goes out and tweets that thing on on Max. I don't care about bullying or any of that bullshit. Like I think we're all too sensitive in this, you know. Or er, er anyways, uh, he can tweet whatever he wants, and I think Max's response was great. No complaints about the fucking tweet. Mine is just more just kind of at a spirit and tipping point. Maybe I just woke up and didn't have my coffee on Sunday and I saw that. But I just essentially quote tweeted, uh, you know, 2015 was Connor's year, but he chose money over martial arts. Meanwhile, guys like Holloway and Ferguson are setting records, setting wins, and, you know, blah, blah. And essentially just we need to get behind that. And I didn't even think it was trying to make, like, a big statement or anything. Again, I just woke up, like, half awake tweeting that. And it was one of my more liked tweets that I've ever done, which is crazy enough. So that alone should justify any complaints that I'm about to complain about but it also just got the, the, the normal retarded replies and i actually took the time to respond to some because i like to take their time to actually articulate a, a stance and especially because especially if it's a stance where it's not inflammatory and you take the time and you just realize that oh people are just fucking retarded and i'm going to use that word because essentially the crux of everybody's argument was with whether the gsp vacating which is the second piece of the news that dropped today uh, the title with that whole fiasco that, let's be honest, we all knew where that was going. Okay, this isn't a surprise to, you know, um, again, Connor's narrative, which his ongoing story, which we all know, and no need for me to break down here. It's just, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's just essentially, God, sorry, I'm getting lost. See, this is why I don't want to get into it. But essentially, it's just hard for me to get behind. And the, essentially, the crux of everybody's argument is it's for the money, bro. You wouldn't take this for the money? Oh, for the money, y'all, bring, you know. Which is also funny, too, because speaking of relevant news, everybody's coming to both these guys' defenses for the sake of money and brain health, yet 
Um, Mark Hunt is cleared to fight again, and I didn't hear any of those people talking about that. Because, of course, there is no hypocrisy in our sport. And again, I am not above this hypocrisy at all. But that's what I'm saying here. Can't we just... Again, I'm, I'm okay with it being for money. I'm okay with these things are, are facts. You know, I respect Connor as a fighter. I respect GSP's resume. I respect their decisions, and they're right because they do, believe me, have the right. Believe me, I won't argue their right to do those things. But can't we just state the fact and call it what it is? Can we call the sky blue? And can these people do these things? And is it okay for me to not cheerlead it? I'm not hating on them, but doesn't mean I have to fucking cheerlead with my pom-poms. And according to these people, I do on Twitter, um, but uh, it was it was just ridiculous. So I just wanted to kind of clarify that I could care less about a McGregor tweet or anything like that. Because again, then you have all the people on the other side who want to take a certain perspective, you know, um, subtweet or just sub sub view their their perspective and kind of just just stick that and throw a flag for whatever agenda they may. I could care less, to be honest. I don't even have a fucking agenda. I'm just stating my opinion as honestly as I do. And as listeners here know, that that's just how I roll. Uh, that's what I do on here. It's no, it's no fucking different. So, Dan, why are you punishing us? We just want to hear the breakdown. Okay, I'm going to get to the breakdown. That was it. I just wanted to get that out. I know I kind of stated that a bit on Junkie Radio for those who listen there. But in case you don't, I just kind of wanted to clarify that slash touch on the GSP thing. I don't care. I think it's good. I think it's great. Uh, prop, even props to GSP for not fucking wasting time, right? And doing it. But, but still, that doesn't mean that I have to like what was one of the most overtly obvious, shallow business moves of 2017 in, in yeah, UFC history. So anyways, whatever. Chapter closed. Let's move the fuck on and focus on the fighters who are fighting practice. What you preach, starting from the bottom as I pull... Up odds, I believe it's Trevon Giles as a minus uh, in the 200s favorite. I'll get the number uh, up for you here shortly. And after a four-year layoff since the split decision loss in 2014 to Clint Hester, he faces Antonio Braganetto, who, uh, in case you remember, uh, I forget what he had a, a bow but was injured after that fight. Uh, gotten a professional gambling. Oh, and you can't forget his infamous bar story where Braganetto got reportedly drunk, uh, pulled out his piece, started urinating and micturating uh, amongst the bar and patrons and proceeded to fight 10 security guards. Uh, <laughs> and quoted later, uh, I was really drunk. I don't remember such things. Even if I did such things, throwing me out on the street was a little rough. <laughs> He's still defending himself, potentially, which is great. Okay, so that's the breakdown on Torino Braganetta. Oh, yeah, and he's really good at jujitsu, but really, who needs to know that with the, with, with the bar story like that? And I sympathize with him. I mean, I, I soberly micturate in strange places, especially when I lived in New York. Old Dan Tom's got a bladder. When you got to go, you got to get creative. We'll just leave it at that. Um, faces Trevin Giles, essentially Rashad Evans, uh, 2.0. Oh, what? Because he's black, Dan? That's racist. No, not because. No, he act uh, because he, he's got a, a, a similar build game. Um, the transitions from striking. Bo- By the way, I was rewatching Trevin Giles' boxing and just kind of the way he'll kind of step off at angles and doing really subtle things I didn't pick up the first time around. Maybe because, well, I studied his prior to his UFC fight or this or that, but, um, but man, the dude's got skills. There's a lot to like about his game. Sorry, I got defensive about the Rashad Evans thing there. It's just, I feel like every time I compare a, (laughs) a one, you know, uh, it doesn't even have to be black, but just any race, same race to the same race, it just immediately gets people. Oh, you just, that's all people here. And I want to make sure you hear the technical stuff because, uh, it is true and it is worth noting. Um, and I'm not trying to go say this guy's going to be the next world champ or anything like that, but uh, like a fighter we're going to get to later, he just, he's well beyond what he should be as far as intelligence. And again, not trying to use blanket words like he's athletic, he's explo-. No, it's, in, it's actually his intelligence, believe it or not, that actually impresses me. Um, and it was the way, you know, granted he was facing uh, James Bachnovic, or, you know, as you heard in the last podcast, I like to call Bab Bachnovic there. He was giving a beating over there to Bab Bachnovic. 
And uh, but the and even though the submission attempts weren't that great from uh, old Bab Baknovic there, it was just the, the wherewithal to be smart enough to say, okay, I'm not going to engage here. Okay, I'm going to keep position here. I'm going to allow him to throw it up here because it's going to allow me to pass here. And it just it was a give and take and the appropriate one. And it's again, it's not. It's been it's been a reoccurring theme in the last couple podcasts, and I can't cite them now. But I've, I I want to say I've actually been, I've come out on the right on these picks as well. But it's one of those things where the narrative can be dangerous here, folks. Where you could say, oh well, oh sure he did that, but it was against this guy. We hear that all the time. I've done it. I'm not above it. But what I'm saying is, you got to be careful doing that because it's not always about that. Now, granted. I tend to look at things from a little more deeper microscope, from a more technical microscope, drawn from my own personal experiences, sure. But when I do look at these things, I can I can say, okay, granted, he's not doing this against the best guy, but I like that he's doing that. And if you can try to decipher that, if you're someone who likes to analyze footage, then more to you. Uh, anyways, uh, I, I like that. I think that's what's going to keep him out of the opportunistic submission threats for Braganetta, who's looking to get himself back on his feet, training with Kings MMA from his Instagram, which is always good. But, boy, he looks bigger. He looks much different than his uh, his old photo there. And since the last time we saw him, I don't know what he's cutting from. Way too many intangibles um, to even pick an angle for prop. So, Trevin Giles, um, parlay piece. Uh, next up, Gutzmacher versus Ramos. Ramos, man. That line inflated like a motherfucker. Excuse me. Um, and now he's the highest favorite in the card. So he was going to be, like, early on I pegged him. I wasn't too in a rush to play him, which now I wish I was, especially seeing how high it got. Because I knew he was going to be parlay piece for me personally and my recommendations. But then it blew way out to where I, I didn't even play it for me or recommend it, obviously. If you go check out my betting article, it should be out now by the time this drops at MMAJunkie.com. Uh, hopefully, guys, like that. It's getting uh, kind of split, split out, and the format's getting more extensive, like this. It's getting more in depth, um, getting positive feedback. But I always like to hear from you guys, and of course, I try to aggregate it in posts throughout my social medias. Uh, all right, I got the odds in front of me. Uh, by the way, Braganetto plus two thirty, minus two seventy. Giles Ramos minus four thirty, plus. 345 Gutsmacher, Gutsmacher. Yeah, I hate saying the tough and speaking of blanket words, but it's one that gets used with this guy a lot. It is true. He is well-rounded. Problem is Davi Ramos going to have speed and power on the feet. More importantly, on the ground, I think he's going to be able to recreate what Skelly did. Let's get this moving. Let's keep it fast. Next up, uh, Alejandro Alejandro Perez, the fucking Waddley Penguin Perez. Uh, Pex and Pix's spots from the outside. He is so I mean you should always want to engage on your terms that that by definition sounds like a good thing but he is so fucking stubborn on engaging on only his terms it makes fights look frustrating close it makes fights closer than they need to me need to be it's frustrating for the viewer it's frustrating for the opponent it's even frustrating for his coaches even frustrating for his coaches which is a veteran coach Javier Mendez who I have never seen here Javier Mendez get so pissed talking to a fighter than he does Alejandro Perez which shows that it's not just some weird tick for me or, or other people that I respect who I know have issues watching this guy fight but yeah I mean you can make arguments that he could be winless in his last two fights. You could make arguments that one fight was a loss and the fight that was a draw shouldn't have been a draw and the fight that wasn't a draw that he won should have been a draw and, and all these different scenarios that equal out to him either not winning or definitely be not being impressive um, because if you, you know you look back at the, the fights and again, I know I just said, you know, don't do this, but this is kind of a thing where you can... Unless it's something where something really randomly freak happened, like some kind of freak injury or you're facing like an Ian Ent whistle or, you know, just kind of a certain level or a certain kind of flammable game where you just kind of add or an add water type of scenario. Outside of that, it becomes really competitive. And even to, you know, who I'm high on, who I'm, I'm on here as, as, as a recommended parlay piece, Yuri Alcantara, even Yuri Alcantara can, you know, uh, once he got to the UFC, you saw the finishing kind of level obviously go down as good. And, as, and he was really experienced before he got to the UFC. Just go, I don't have, put it this way, I don't have time to tell you the weight classes an opponent, Yuri Alcantara, has faced. 
but go ahead and look at that. Uh, still, he even was not subject, you know, not beyond uh, slowing down once he got to the UFC and when you got to durable guys. And I will give Alejandro Perez credit for what I'm leading to here. He is one of those guys as far as durable goes. That is one of the good things you can say. He knows how to stick around in a fight. But I think it's a bad stylistic matchup. Uh, not just you know everything on paper from veteran experience, jujitsu, striking, um, all everything minus age because he's a 37 year old bantamweight, which also kind of fits a hip- hypocrisy that we'll get into in the next matchup. Um, but he fits everything else on paper. More importantly, my specific eye, the left hand. Of course, we all know about Yuri's left kick, but his patent left counter cross. I think it's going to have a lot of play, especially you look at Andre Sukumtha's success that he had in Perez, dropping him multiple times in that bout. Don't get me started on that bout, uh, which, you know, you just want to pull your hair out on both guys. You just, both guys just kind of piss you off watching go and you go back and watch that fight. Like, what are you guys doing? Um, but uh, anyways, but yeah, I, I see that being there. Uh, so he's a parlay piece, but more importantly, he also, the, the prop here uh, is, is the over. Uh, over two and a half, minus 120. It's a low enough line where you can play it straight up, but more importantly, it's one of the overs that forget if just forget the the, the the word value. You can chase bets that aren't there. Let's erase the numbers because when I look at overs, I'll just kind of look at I don't I don't even look at the number of the round or the line. I look at what matchup that I would even consider betting an over after. And this is after my analysis done. I scan down uh, on five dimes, and I'll I'll see. Uh, I'll see a matchup, and okay, this matchup, and then my eye will kind of start scanning to the right, and I'll see the total on rounds and the price, etc., and then I'll go from there. Um, again, I know it's psycho, psychotic, I know, but I, I try to, again, the reason why this is late is not because of procrastination, it's because your boy does the work. I, I don't come on here without an opinion on every fight, without doing my homework on every fight. I'm not, you know... Not hating, uh, I, I believe me. I wish I had the, <laughs> I had more of the, the the job where I could just recap and pontificate and take credit for things after the fact. That's a much easier beat to work than the guy who has to um, have everything ready before and not just ready before. Speak, write, polish, present in depth to levels. Yeah, you know. Anyways, we're here. Let's get it fucking done. <laughs> See, I apologize off the top. I told you why. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, I don't even, what the fucking fight were you on, Dan? You're too busy going off on your fucking stupid things and you don't even know what you're talking about. All right. We're, 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 we're back on to stay on target. Stay on target. Uh, yeah, it was Alejandro Perez plus 175. Uriel Alcantara minus 210. Anyways, yeah, Alcantara. And yeah, the over, um, minus 120. The reason is because, again, if, you know, Alejandro Perez. Hey, Dan, you know, what you're saying, not necessarily wrong, but also guilt by your own admission. Uh, isn't it by nature a guy who can make fights sticky like Perez, a dangerous guy to bet for or against? Very true, which is why I feel like the over, if he does make it sticky, which I feel it's going to be a sticky fight, even if it is in, in, in clearly in, in Alcantara's favor, um, I feel like this thing's going over either way, in other words. So over might be a way to kind of... Take the sting if you were like me and you're heavily invested in an Alcantara play straight up. Also, maybe even add to it because, again, it'd be nice to see Alcantara just get it done fast. But I think this one's going to be long and sticky. And uh, the over might just kind of add to your profits, hopefully, in a perfect world. So next fight, um, Carl's John de Thomas, who is the poor man Filipino, um, Gilbert Melendez. Uh, that's a southpaw. Against Alex Perez, who is on the Dana White Contender Series and is, has deceptive experience. Go back and look at his. Again, I'm trying to speed this up, so uh, I'm not trying to be lazy here. But go back and look at his his record too. Kind of de- deceptive there, um, and and you kind of you know like oh okay maybe you know took some fights a little early in his career. You, you, one of those kind of things. So, but a deceptive amount of experience nonetheless that was valuable, and, and he seems to be in the right place with Timo Yaman around those savages right around those weight classes um, between those opportunistic submission threats and hard punching and kicks that he's, he's, he's taken in those sessions over there. Uh, I really don't see what DeThomas is going to bring to him. And also this is the fight that was adjusted due to the California state athletic commission weight cycle because DeThomas was coming in heavy who, by the way, also came in heavy for his debut. So this could be a discipline issue. 
uh, well, it probably is a discipline issue, but then also you got to tread lightly too, because I don't think those a lot of these Filipino guys they get these, these or these even a lot of these just a lot of these countries they get the, the best resources for their camps, the best education. So I don't want to be, uh, I don't know if it's elitist or some tist. I don't want to be a tist about it. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be a dick. Uh, so yeah, anyway, so I just, just skeptical all around. And I think the line reflects that because it inflated even further, which I thought was kind of even high, even though I agree this, this should be a Perez, Perez's fight to lose. He is now minus 370 to plus 310, Johnson Thomas. Uh, this is Friday morning. Hopefully by the time you're hearing this, wee hours of Friday morning when I'm recording it late, 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 late Thursday. All right. Why did you whisper that, Dan? Um, all right. Next, uh, Luke Sanders minus two fifty five plus two fifteen. Why was this on your avoid? I actually like Sukumthon, man. Maybe, maybe you, you always the Asian sensation. Big surprise, surprise. Hey, listen. I like the poor man's Jose Aldo. All right, the poor man's Asian Jose Aldo there, who uh, you know uses those Muay Thai tactics and uses control and rhythm to win around. Except he doesn't do it emphatically, and he's already exercising what is kind of a risky. Uh, style that you know the savvy counter-striking controlling ring generalship style where you're assuming that the judges know what the fuck they're watching which they don't so even if you are executing the style the way it should be it could be very dangerous uh that being said perhaps it's my biased eye for being you know able to see you know see, see certain things guys are trying to do I like where your head's at there I can see it and I'm I'm scoring it which I think is a problem well a because Again, I, I score to A, kind of how I think the judges are going to score around. And I try to articulate that in my tweets. But B, I will also score from an inherent bias of that I'm looking at it from, you know, what I'm seeing. And I'm seeing more of the micro, whereas, you know, less of the macro. So, and if the macro is the majority, well, the, that's why, you know, some people are like, Dan, are you on crack? You know, and I get it. Like, there's some, there are definitely some, some scores where I'm like, I'm on crack there. So I, I'm not saying it's wrong, but I'm just, just trying to explain myself there for what it's worth. Uh, but yeah, that, those, those critiques can be justified. All right. Um, but yeah, the, the, this one that it makes it on my avoid list. And then I thought actually Luke Sanders line, it, it didn't, it actually came down maybe a, a little bit, but I thought it was on its way up too to inflation to, uh, city. And as well, just kind of rewatching his fight with, you know, just, Potential mental lapses, still limited sample size overall. I don't think we're going to get another kind of grappling test here with Sukumtha, uh, obviously. So it's not like you have to worry about that, uh, you know, uh, like he got with the sub loss with Alcantara. But on the feet and with the striking style and the way they line up, there, there wasn't enough of Sukumtha with the southpaws uh, for my liking too to kind of get a feel how that's going to go. So there's just some questions there, but... I could, in other words, I could see Sukumthon making this a more deceptive match, and this could be just kind of one of those tight scoring matches where you're just kind of sweating. So that's why it's on there. I don't blame you for playing Luke Sanders. It's not like it's crazy. He's my pick. He for sure should be the favorite. He f he's for sure the pick. Um, just because I pick a guy doesn't, you know, doesn't mean can't give credit to the other person. But I feel the credit's more and so justified. And uh, with the line not going crazy, I don't blame you. But that's why it was on my avoid list. Probably could have left it. Uh, left it off there it's not really one that you need my opinion on if that makes any sense for what the line's at but it's it's there so whatever all right liz carmouche is definitely there uh, with alexis davis uh liz carmouche minus 170 favorite alexis davis plus 150 dog um yeah essentially it's, it's hard you know these girls barely fight it's like they barely fight once a year carmouche came off the big layoff but then she uh uh, uh, upset one of my plays there where I was, I remember playing, uh, what do you call, what's her name, Chukagian just for volume uh, on, on 205, but that's the thing with the, the, the female sample size, they just show up, and Liz Carmouche reminded me and many that that physicality, I, I was preaching on volume to go a long way, well, physicality and, and, and veteran savvy in this division goes a long way for what is a lot of developing fighters still, especially now with the new divisions, right? Um, dope. that doesn't really matter here because she's not facing a developing new or rookie fighter. She's facing Alexis Davis, another veteran fighter, but who can be on and off? You know, she, she's shown glimpses of, uh, oh, wow, maybe she's back with a force and then, uh, ooh, she needs to fight more. You know, there, there's been a little bit of both. So this is just a big stay away. All right. We're on to the main card. We got, uh, Benito Lopez and Albert Morales. This one has stayed the same and I don't blame it. I can't see how you could be confident either way. Minus 110 straight across the board. I ended up going with Benito Lopez. 
Maybe it was the flash, but there is some deceptive uh, savviness and experience there. There's a questionable gas tank, though, too. And yes, there is questionable decisions, and he's still putting things together, but he's 23. That stuff's normal. Uh, the questionable gas tank I am a little more worried about. Um, I'm hoping that is because of pace management, not so much of growth slash just a genetic uh, kind of uh, handicap there. You know, some people just have better or worse gas tanks than others simply, right? Well, that's what I mean when I say that. But um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, It's tough. I could see. I could see him. I could see him hitting his knees and hitting his pressure. But more importantly, it, the reason why I ended up siding with uh, Benito, uh, uh, Benito is because even though he could just you know eat a right hand uppercut or left hook from Morales, um, Morales, even though he put, was working real diligently with Kevin, Kenny Johnson there at Black House, he just was not not just not showing the improvements because he's young and you don't want to just you want to. You want to temper your criticisms there, you know, uh, when it comes to that stuff. But it was more just the fight IQ itself wasn't even there. It wasn't even like he was trying with the te technique. wasn't showing where the technique was there, but it just wasn't working. Or he was just a beat behind on this. No, like there was just mental, there was just things that weren't clicking, you know, um, in his last fight against Johns. And Johns obviously is awesome. And this is a, kind of a, a reverse situation of that example I shared where, Oh, well, John's, of course he's going to look bad. Well, no, uh, you got to still be able to separate that where, yes, it's a good opponent. And, okay, maybe this was a fight where, he, A, he was probably going to lose and maybe not going to look good. But still, you still have to be able to grade their reactions and their protocols uh, accordingly because even if they're losing and not looking good, they can still tell you a lot in their performance, you know? And I guess that's what I'm talking about here. Um, so, yeah, stay stay away. I believe that one is on the... Um, <clears throat> avoid list uh, as well. Um, oh my goodness, yeah, I forgot. I, I totally skipped uh, Frankie Signs plus 140 versus uh, Mirab uh, Dilashvili, the Kibib Namuragamedov's evil twin. If you see saw that tweet I, tw uh, I posted earlier with the uh, with uh, the Khabib hat that's dark. I'm sorry for people that dog is on people that are mad that I don't know the name of that because I actually do and it's just it's just slipping me now um but uh Mirab is actually is minus 160 he actually is a, a straight play he is one of two straight plays played him for a unit uh, essentially this dude is just hyper athletic uh just an explosive springboard from the clinch uh, he's a sambo specialist and judo black belt accoladed sambo guy so it makes sense um Explosive strikes as well. Uh, Eleven years younger than Frankie Signs. Again, they're a thirty-seven-year-old bantamweight, as I was alluding to. Um, this is a thirty-seven-year-old though that I'm not confident. Unlike Yuri, uh, and I like Frankie, man. But Frankie Signs, the thing is, even though he's he's overachieved in striking, striking speed, being a bantamweight, cutting to bantamweight, all those things, those things are the first to go. Timing, speed, all those things. When you get older, two. Frankie always does his best work from the clinch. He's a wrestler. But even with his strikes, as he was involved in May, as far as striking from the clinch and striking off the breaks, like that's where Signs does some of his best work. Uh, it's also where he would take needed breaks, justified breaks, um, if needed be. The point is that the clinch was kind of like home base, but the problem is home base is where Mirab makes his money. So for minus 160, even though he's a debutant, I'm willing to take the shot. Signs is a veteran of the UFC in comparison to him and a veteran in comparison to him in general in many ways. But he's coming off about a year layoff himself, so that's going to equalize any... He's still going to be trying to get his feet off under him too. So then will be equal playing field, and you just look at the fighters themselves, their age and their abilities and their styles. And yeah, I like Mirab there, so I took the shot. All right, main... We're back on the main card now. Um, sorry, jumping all over here. Marcus Perez, plus 255. Eric Anders, minus 310. Eric Anders, yes, he is on the fantasy team. He is a uh, parlay piece. And I have a uh, parlay piece of minus 310. And I have him inside the distance, minus 125. I know, Chalk City, but I went 1.5 units, which is big money for Dan Tom. I know, ooh, 1.5. I know, so big, but... Um, uh, but yeah, it's it's gonna... It's one of the more things I'm confident in, in seeing, seeing hit. Um... One thing I didn't, by the way, all the breakdowns, MMAJunkie.com, thank you for going, sharing, shouting, all those things. Really, really appreciate it. Um, essentially, 
Essentially, Marcus Perez, you watch his fight. It's like a guy that's like, it's like a Windy City Heat. He's pretending to be like a, a movie star or a cop. It's like it's like that, but the MMA version. Like this guy's pretending to be Conor McGregor, like the MMA fighter. Like he's doing the man bun. He's doing like the southpaw, the hand waving, like the overly you know, the overly flamboyant feints and like needlessly elaborate moves and. Like, you'll see him hit it, hit, hit like a ridiculous elbow or something that shouldn't have hit, or a, a submission that probably shouldn't have hit early in his career against what was awful competition. Don't let those last two fights against over the hill, inconsistent. And I love, like both guys, but I'm just calling for what it is Ildemar Alcantara and Paul Tiago. Um, he didn't face the best versions of those guys. Uh, and before that, he was, the guys he finished were. Just I don't even know what to call him. There's there's I, most of them don't even have records, okay? Like and then it's funny because what I was saying is like he hit these moves and you'll see him go back to the well and try to hit these moves in like the following fights, like just not just reflecting on the fight IQ, reflecting on the personality, which I judge books by its covers in some cases, yes, and, and, and sometimes and behavior does dictate personality and that personality sometimes dictates behavior. And uh just go watch the guy, you'll see what what I'm kind of alluding to here. It uh, doesn't seem like a guy Dan Tom would would want to want to share a beer, hang out with. Put it that way. Uh, but yeah, like he's like you even go watch his like highlight videos and like they're just so self produced and so they're way too produced for such a low crappy sample size. Like the production that that went in and, and I, you could tell like right away without even looking at the credit, like oh this guy did this himself, like because nobody else would give two shits enough about this to make this. Crappy footage over this crappy person looks so good. It's it, it was comical. Like I was audibly laughing at this guy. Um, so I'm really interested to just a see how he would how he would do in a guy that I probably would not imagine ever getting to the UFC. But that it's just the age we're in with all these cards. We're gonna get these guys in our organization now. Um, to a guy who I feel is is one of the bright lights in the middleweight division, Eric Anders. Guy I'm very impressed with again. The same with the Trevin Giles. It's not just this blanket statement. He's an athlete. He's a football player. Look at him. Like, no. The dude is really smart, man. Uh, his process, the way he puts things together. Again, he's it's very similar to Trevin Giles. His transitional rise. When I was doing the tape study uh, for his and Rafael Natal fight, his UFC debut, that's what won me over, seeing how this guy rides and transitions. and He doesn't sell out for positions and passes and all these things. He, he knows... To limit himself um, in, in certain positions and when, when to go for it. And sure, his stand-up looks a bit limited. He stalks behind the left hand, but it's accurate. He feints. He's improving. It's improving each time out. And I think it's going to be enough. I think I think the process is going to beat opportunism here, especially this kind of processes versus that kind of opportunism, because um, that kind of opportunism falls to the ground. He's a higher-ranked jujitsu. Uh, He's a brown belt over Eric Anders' purple belt, but it doesn't look that way at all. And his technique looks terrible. And even if not, his style of a jiu-jitsu player is bottom. Sacrificing position before submission, just just not a style you want to bank on or bet on. So I bet the other way. I've got Eric Anders. I've got him big. All right, next fight. Uh... Scott Hot Sauce Holtzman, minus 125. Daryl Horcher, plus 105. This was kind of even for a minute, and Holtzman started slowly pulling away. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's hard to be confident here. I got Holtzman as a, as a fantasy recommendation because essentially he's got one of the... He quietly carries one of the better uh, striking outputs in the division. And ultimately, that's going to score you points. Ultimately, that's going to win you rounds. Uh, unfortunately, the, the, that aggression, that output doesn't c- comes with its caveat because he collides with strikes a lot. So seeing him get hit, clipped, even sometimes dropped is not necessarily irregular. But he's thick, tough has a decent chin and more importantly has excellent recoverability which I think is attributed to his athleticism uh, for Holtzman because he is right back in it with his wits about him feet balance uh, and eyes about him so um, unless Horcher and that is Horcher's game he's, he's he's a composed southpaw he's got a check hook he keeps it the ready and you know his counter cross is his highest caliber weapon 
But if he doesn't put him down with that, which he doesn't show to have game over or, you know, dead to rights power, at least on the big stage yet, then, well, he's going to be subject to a higher output guy who also I think is the much better wrestler and better guy in the clinch. Holtzman is both striker and wrestler in the clinch. Um, I'm sure Horcher's making improvements under Big Frog because there was some, there was definitely some, and he admitted himself some slop to his game. You look at the way he was playing on top earlier in his career, uh, makes sense. Um, but now he's at a better camp, so it'll be interesting to see his improvements. Uh, another reason why that one's probably on the avoids list, but yeah. All right, next fight, uh, we got Aljamain Sterling plus 115, Marlon Rice um, minus 135. Um, this one's a weird one because, you know, I, I'm usually the guy that's like picking against Aljo, and I still am. Uh, very high on Marlon Moraes, but this is more of a spot thing. Uh, a, you have the spot of it's a four-week turnaround, and that can be deceptive. You know, you think you're ready, but your body really needs rest, and we see this scenario play out usually usually unfavorably, even at the highest levels, even with the best fighters. I don't know if Marlon is exempt from that sample size. We'll see. I wish him the best. But it's not just a four-week turnaround now. It's a four-week turnaround from a fight that went all three rounds. Not just a fight that went all three rounds. A competitive fight where Marlon was dropped, which he tends to get, which tends to happen to him. But again, very as just looking at the guy, very athletic guy. I think that recoverability factor comes into play there. He recovers very fast. Um, he will. Speaking of fast, he will have a speed and striking edge, as I can imagine. That's why he's the favorite here. You know, I uh, and I and. You look at it, you know, with the way Aljo at least traditionally reaches, and he, you know, even though he's so talented and has some deceptive speed himself and good, very capable, uh, changes stuff well. His his setups for takedowns aren't necessarily great, though. He's not as far as strikes to takedowns, so he can. I could see a scenario where he gets he gets hurt bad, maybe you know, taken off of his game, maybe eventually taken out of there. You know, like if a guy's gonna stop him by strikes, I could see Marais being the guy. Um, cause Aljo does keep his hands low, uh, which can be dangerous cause you, 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 when you keep your hands low, you move truck movement, you could truck movement right into a kick or slip a punch, not see a kick there. And you just throw your head right in line with the trajectory of the head kick and just get clipped. But the problem is, and I went over and I've, and I know Mariah's game before I've been a fan of him before I've broken him down his fights before. So I've watched his fights many a times a before and a before, and I went over him again and again. And the sample size was just not where I wanted it to be to be confident to pick him as far as defending decent wrestlers who had a wrestling-heavy game plan. Most of his guys he's faced, at least in relevant times, have not had a grappling-heavy game plan. And the guys who have the background or accolades to maybe lend credit, lend credence to those theories, to that sample size, that portion of it, didn't really execute or get a chance to execute because they were knocked out too fast. So it was a lot of those type of scenarios so again, so potentially, I'm looking at it. Even though Marais is awesome and he's fast, and he's a great striker, and he trains with a bigger guy. He's a smaller bantamweight. Aljo is a bigger bantamweight who is only getting bigger. Uh, he provides not just the wrestling, but the grappling, the chaining of the wrestling, the grappling, the chaining to the wrestling, to the grappling, the jujitsu to the wrestling, all the combinations. He could potentially be a nightmare on paper. We don't know that yet. It's still yet to be seen. But the part of the map that's still black that, that that hasn't cleared up yet, well, that 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 is up the territory of Aljamain Sterling. So for this spot, people that call me a hater of Alger, I don't even think anybody does. But I, I think I've said that to actually about myself because I just feel bad picking against the guy because I actually like the guy. I just feel like the spots he's been in, I I've just felt the other way on. So even though I love Mariah's, I'm like actually happy to be in a spot where I, I'm backing Aljo and. Since he is one of the official underdogs uh, picks, or at least the guy that's still an underdog uh, pick, uh, I did put my money where my mouth is there, and I just did a half unit straight play for plus 115. I got it at plus 120, but I got a list of odds, of course, as they come out the day of the article and this podcast. So plus 115, the current. All right. Um, sorry, sorry. Uh, yeah, wow. Plays okay. We'll recap the plays at the end. That's all. That's all. We're all caught up there though, and I'll recap the fantasy stuff at the end. Uh, co-main event time. Uh, Gabriel Benitez plus two seventy-five, minus two thirty-five. Jason Knight. If you want to get the details on this, go to MMA Junkie. Uh, essentially, 
Man, I'm surprised. I guess I'm not. There's a big narrative on Knight, which I guess I was even culprit too for his last fight against Ricardo Lamas by, 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 by picking Knight for the upset. I didn't agree with the odds, but I just thought that it was one of those spots where it could be right for the upset. It was completely wrong, um, obviously. Uh, but uh, So I guess I can see why the odds are like that. But still, maybe just my love for Gabriel Benitez. He's, he, in my opinion, is the best guy to come out of those Tesla Tam series, even though he did get beat by... Uh, Barzola, who's just a different kind of animal in a weird way. He's like he's like the good version of Alejandro Perez, where he's just that weird guy who engages on his own terms, but he fucking fights and goes after it, and you can't hate hate Barzola's approach. Um, he definitely, you know, I picked against him, but he definitely, you know, won that fight um, against Benitez, who wasn't one of his best performances. That's one of the things with Benitez. He's, he's not always healthy. He's one of those guys that struggles with injury, and he he's another guy who looks kind of kind of on the heavier side as far as the social media photos go, which makes me wonder if he's fighting off injuries. He's not able to do his running. We'll see. Wayne's would have happened probably by the time this is being recorded, or by the time this drops, I should say. It's not. It hasn't happened long. This is being recorded, obviously. But um, we'll see how those wins play out. Uh, but Benitez, though, you know the liver kick, the counter cross, deceptive counter wrestling, especially against the cage, good guillotine choke. The thing is, I don't think the guillotine is going to be in play because Jason Knight, even though he is serviceable takedowns in the open, reactionaries, doubles, singles, he does most of his takedowns and his best work from the body lock. And I see him going to that. And the thing about the body lock, you go watch Nick Lentz, Charles Oliveira was his game plan until he got away with it and didn't get guillotine. So maybe not the best example, but um, when you go about a body lock approach. Uh, Lentz wanted a body lock approach for Oliveira because not only if you do it right, you can land in side control, mounts, or back mount, which is what I think Jason Knight's going to parlay, which is what he usually parlays it to, which I think he's going to do in this matchup. But you can you you get out of you can get into a side control. You can just get your head out of danger, your hips on the opposite side of your neck. So you're out of that danger of any potential guillotine lockups, um, and it's just also hard to physically grab where you know if you're chest to chest with somebody to grab them for a guillotine and get their head under your armpit, right? Ooh. Sorry, that was a weird chest palpitation. I've been getting them since, like, last podcast, by the way. Probably just um, lack of sleep and just, yeah. It's fucking... I have a, a vacation coming, like, the first week of January. I can't come soon enough. Oh, my God. I'm gonna... Hopefully, I, I, I survive. Um, but, yeah, um... I think Knight's going to get it done on the floor, but Benitez should be respected. I, I did pick Benitez for fantasy. He's surprisingly the the very lowest, the very lowest, the cheapest selection, which obviously the dreaded word of value opens up value in fantasy-wise because open up your roster and money that way. But, you know, let's be honest here. He, he has tools to finish a fight on the feet or on the floor against most featherweights. Gabriel Benitez does, and Jason Knight takes a shit ton of damage in victory and defeat. So... Maybe not that crazy of a play after all for a fantasy or anything like that. So, um, But yeah, no, the pick is Knight, and, and he should be the favorite. All right, main event, Cub Swanson, Brian Ortega. This one's been back and forth. I'm bummed to see Cub Swanson not as the dog, but I took a shot at him as the dog. Well, because, yes, he is the pick. Uh, hopefully you read the breakdown, because uh, I'm not going to go into as much detail on here. So you can tell by the tone of my voice and the expedience that I want to get through. Uh, no real plays here, to be honest. I just want to enjoy this one, kind of wait and see. Uh, aside from just the, the the dog money on Cub, because you're just asking for it. I mean, I, I thought he should have been kind of the favorite, to be honest. And I'm a big fan of Brian Ortega, his game, his style, his swagger. But his offensive wrestling and his habitual opportunism mixed with that doesn't show me enough to pick him confidently here. He's going to be stuck striking with Cub and in a stick-and-move contest. I feel like I'm going to go with the more savvier, more experienced, the better striker. And I think who, despite being older, it, he's bound to be done You know, at, at a certain point and sooner than later, Cub Swanson is. But not only is it not yet, I think he has a speed advantage, at least striking speed. And Cub's got deceptive, um, even though he swings wide, so it makes it slower, it looks slower than he actually is. But if you just look at his overall operating speed, I think he's going to be there, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Um, and I detail the details about the game and the breakdown. So, uh, yeah, uh, you can go read that for that. I am just going to recap uh, what we got 
So parlay pieces, Eric Anders, minus 310. Yuri Alcantara, minus 210. Trevin Giles, minus 270. You parlay them, and that gets you roughly in the neighborhood of uh, plus 153-ish. Uh, Alcantara, Perez, over 2.5, minus 120. Played that for one unit. Anders inside the distance, minus 120 to round out or to finish up the props. Uh, played that at played the minus 125, I should say, at 1.5 units. Straight plays, two of those as well. Uh, Aljamain Sterling, the dog of the two, plus 115, uh, half a unit. And Mirab Shvili, minus 160, one unit. Uh, Avoidless, Morales Lopez, Sander Sukunthaw, Holtzman Horcher, Davis Carmouche, Fantasy, Eric Anders, Davi Ramos, um, Scott Holtzman, Cub Swanson, Aljamain Sterling, and Gabriel Benitez for a roster total of $48,800. Thank you for the iTunes five-star ratings and reviews. It really does help. It is really the best way you can support the show, aside from obviously telling a friend. Amazon, thank you for the... uh, Click-throughs um, for Christmas time while you're doing Christmas shopping, thinking of me. Uh, I, I, I appreciate that. You, again, you go to mixedmarshallanalyst.com for these click-throughs, and it doesn't cost you anything. Small percentage goes to me. You get to buy for other people, and everybody is a winner. Uh, another The other click-through I have there is on it as well. So if you like on it products, same thing. Small percentage goes back to your boy, which goes back to the podcast here. In turn, gets peddled into it, believe your best. Um, email. Why did I write email with a question mark? I don't know. And you can email me though. I guess I don't even know what email I want to give out. I really don't feel like giving my email out, and I don't have the podcast email in front of me. So maybe you can't email. I don't know. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed this <laughs> delirious version. I had to get something out to you. I'm sorry. Um, all my stuff's hitting the streets. I'm gonna get this. I'm gonna go on a posting spree uh, today on Friday. Um, and yeah, hopefully you, uh, you, uh, you enjoy the fights. Um, um, and good luck on your, oh, I want to give a shout out slip and dip podcast for having me on. Thank you, Kendrick and Matt. You guys are awesome. And I did that podcast shout out thing. Um, and for whatever reason, like I, I leave out like the obvious people. Cause like, okay, well, like obviously y'all know who Luke Thomas is. Obviously you guys listen to, you know, heavy hands and Patrick and Connor shout out to them. Obviously awesome analysts, awesome dudes. But, uh, you know, speaking of grinders and, and people covering every show, I didn't mes- mention bloody elbows, the Vivi section. Um, and by the way, bloody elbow, I, again, I know we're all supposed to be competitors or whatever. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, people are good. I want to give them credit. And I enjoy the stuff Bloody Elbow does. And there's a lot of great people there. So I want to give them a shout. And, and uh, the Vivisection, uh, I'll be honest, I'm not a frequenter. As many of these things I shout out, as it should be, as you can tell, Dan Tom doesn't exactly have the freest of time on his hands. But Zane, uh, Connor, these guys, awesome dudes over there. Um, so again, I, I want to make sure we give these little shots. MMA Circus, another... Uh, you know, uh, Nick Baldwin always on the grind there. Interviews, breakdown. Uh, Jed or Andrew, I know he kind of alternates between the two, but two different but equally entertaining cats there. Again, people that are always on the grind, whether it's, it's, it's competitors or people like this person, or I don't like this person, I like this person, or it's popular like this person. I don't give a shit. I, I, I respect you for grinding. So, thank you. And until next time, protect your necks.